Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome back to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. And today I am joined by some of my friends over at the UC Berkeley Haas School of Business. And I have with me Sean Lee as well as Paulina Lee. Sean is an alum. Paulina is a current MBA student. But in addition to being students and alum, they are also uh, creators of the Haas Podcast Network. And through their experience running and, and managing this, they learned a thing or two about Haas um, and their classmates. And uh, what we're going to do today is going to talk a little bit about that in terms of um, how this all got started, what they've learned in the process, and they can also be kind of the, the go-to experts on Haas. And so, Sean, Paulina, thank you both uh, for being here today. I guess maybe just to get started, and Paulina, I'm looking at you first. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? What are you doing and why did you choose to get an MBA in the first place? So I'm originally from upstate New York, for those who don't know, who wouldn't know, but uh, Al and my mom went to school in Macau together They did, and then came over to Rochester, New York for their undergrad studies. So that's how Al and I know each other. We go way back. So originally from upstate New York and then have been in and out of California for the last few years. So currently a evening weekend student or part-time MBA student at UC Berkeley Haas. I started in fall of 2019 and will probably end sometime in 2022. For me, an MBA has always been on a list of things that I wanted to do. I usually start with just my family being super competitive. We've got a PhD on my dad's side, an MBA on my mom's side. My sister has a master's. You and your sister, Al, both have MBAs. So, you know, I'm just trying to keep up with everyone around me. I've always wanted to get my MBA, I think, because I just love learning and always wanted to aspire to continue to push myself and continue to grow. And for me in my career, I've been with P&G for almost 10 years now. So, eight this year. And I was just at a point in my career where I just wanted to expand my skill set in order to help set me up for success in the future. So I looked at a couple different part-time programs, ended up attending a class in person at Haas and just loved the energy and environment at Haas. And so when I got in, I knew that's the place I wanted to be. Uh, thanks for that. And I'm sure that part of that was probably just due to all the times my dad probably badgered you about what you're doing with your life. And so I'm sure it came <laughs> from your own volition, but a little friendly peer pressure and showing him up at the holiday dinner table probably had a little bit of help too. And real quickly, what I know you're at PNG, but what are you doing at PNG? Yeah, so my current role at PNG is I'm on our sales side, though my role has a little bit of marketing right now. So I think official title is sales and marketing director. I work on our paper brands, so that's Charmin, Bounty, and Puffs, and I work on our Walmart business. So the pandemic has made my job extremely interesting. Yes, I do have all the inside knowledge on how paper is made, where are all our paper trucks, and how to get them to consumers. But I've had a variety of roles at PNG, and this one has been very interesting because of the timing. And then it's been fun to expand my skill set into the marketing side this year as well. 
That's great. And I'm sure the pandemic has kept you all very busy. Sean, how about you? What were you doing and, and why did you choose to get an MBA in the first place? So first off, thank you for having us on the podcast. Second, our listeners can't see this, but I just got my diploma oh, today. Congrats. It's official. <laughs> it's official. I'm officially kicked out of the school. You're, you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he still pa hangs around. Paulina's been waiting for this day. Just quick background. I was born and raised in China, moved to Michigan when I was seven, and grew up in Michigan. I went to school in Michigan State, got my bachelor's in finance and accounting, and Graduated in the last downturn, just like I'm graduating into this downturn. And it so happened that jobs were sparse back then, as it is today. And so I ended up going down the entrepreneurial path and launching a couple e-commerce companies, a co-working space. And all that happened after I moved from Michigan to LA shortly after graduation. And so I've been in LA all this time. And what I realized was I had this glass ceiling I couldn't break. I was able to successfully build these lifestyle businesses, as I call them, where it provided amazing lifestyle for myself and those around me, but I couldn't build a business that was scalable and could have more impact. And that's what ultimately inspired me to go get an MBA. Even though most entrepreneurs get grilled on, why would you get an MBA, right? Take that 100K, go spend it on your own business. However, for me... I thought being an entrepreneur is being a networker, as with any business major. And my network in LA was getting smaller and smaller because when you're an entrepreneur, it's just you and you know the people you know. And that's part of the reason why I decided to pick Haas over Anderson down here in UCLA, which is right in my backyard, because I wanted to really branch out into a different network and force myself out of my own comfort zone. And so that's also one of the reasons I picked the part-time program up at Berkeley is because I continued to live down in LA and I commuted up to Berkeley all three years. And once I got to Berkeley, that's where things took a magical turn. I think this is why we encourage people to go through the MBA because it is everything that you will not expect. <laughs> like you go in yeah. with this idea, you write this essay, you say you're going to do all these things and you get there and everyone's saying... Don't worry about what you wrote in your essay. Just go explore, figure it out. And so that's how I came to start the podcast. So if we just give our Haas podcast a little shout out. I originally started the uh, One Haas podcast, which was a just a passion project of mine to help connect students through stories. Just a very simple mission. And as I was about to graduate this spring, Paulina... And a couple other EW students, say volunteer to help out and join the team. And henceforth, we created Here at Haas, basically to continue that podcast in spirit, to cover interviews for current students, faculty, administration, basically anyone who's on campus, right? Just this is the on-campus podcast, hence Here at Haas. And then the One Haas podcast brand just we carried forward with the Department of Alumni Relations to be the alumni podcast. And so that is what I am continuing to do to this day. But along the way in my MBA, I'm sure for people listening who are interested in MBAs, through my second podcast interview, I met these two investment bankers that had just finished recruiting. I didn't know them at all. They were just introduced to me. And they you can look up the episode number two with David Zhao and Vlad Rushkovsky. They basically 
somehow convinced me down this path to do investment banking. <laughs> and so that is what I did for my MBA career. I did investment banking, specifically tech investment banking at Citi in San Francisco. And it was exactly the experience I uh, wanted because I realized this is the chip on my shoulder that I really came to the MBA for, to patch up my finance skills. Because again, if you remember, I graduated finance in a downturn, and then I went to entrepreneurship. So I never really practiced finance. So this was my chance to really bolster my hard skills, as I call it, valuation, financial modeling, so that when the time comes in the future, I realize when I want to uh, capital raise, I can be 100% confident in talking numbers and finance in front of investors. That's great. Thank you, Sean. And there's a lot of things I want to pull into there, but I guess I want to go back to Paulina for a second. So Sean talked a little bit about part of why he, he chose Haas. And he, one of the things that he mentioned was the network. And I know you had mentioned a little bit about going to a class um, and you know having it feel right, but we'd love to, for you to talk a little bit more about maybe why you ended up you know, deciding to, to end up to go to Haas versus other programs that were out there. What really stuck out to you and what really made it uh, the right choice for you? Yeah. The other programs that I applied to, I only applied to part-time programs. I think for me, because I was so enjoying the work I was doing at PNG and I can see a career trajectory there. And so I wasn't quite ready to fly the coop there. And then I love the Bay Area. And so I was only looking at programs that I could essentially do from here. So that I looked at Haas, I looked at Duke, I did look at Anderson's FEMBA program. And then Cornell has an executive program called the Americas that also has a boardroom location out here. And as I thought about all the different programs, Haas was the only one that was 100% in person. And I attended a few other classes via Zoom for those other ones. And as we all know now, the energy is just different virtually versus in person. And so to be in the classroom at Haas, which also has just a gorgeous campus, and just feel the energy, I think I sat in on a microeconomics course. And you could just feel the energy on a Thursday night. All these people are here after they've been at work all day. The professor's poking fun at them. They're poking fun at the professors. And honestly, I was just shocked. Like everyone was having a great time <laughs> on a Thursday night sitting in microeconomics. And I was it's like, microeconomics <laughs> of all things. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I think this is the place for me. <laughs> And it has been, I mean, granted, we're all on Zoom now, like the whole world. But what I really appreciate about Haas and my OSCE cohort, which we have four different cohorts within each class and OSCE is a Saturday cohort. So there's about 70 of us. And in our first year before we got pushed remote, we were able to just create a really close cohort culture that's extremely inclusive, lots of fun. And we continue to do our best to bring that to life in the virtual environment. And so at the end of the day, for me, it, it was the people. Of course, it doesn't help that Haas has a great reputation, but it was just the people that drew me there, the energy in the classroom. It's the people that keep me here. Not that I was thinking of leaving, but they have definitely become some of my closest friends and the people that I talk to every day. So kind of a combination of all those things. The other thing I did look at was elective options. So two of the programs that I looked at 
Duke and Cornell were executive programs, so shorter timelines, 18 months. But that also meant you didn't have as much time or space to really explore electives. And since I'm not 100% sure what direction I want to go in, I have a vague idea, the idea of having more flexibility and more options and taking electives really interested me when I looked at Haas as well. There's also a lot of good international opportunities that I don't know if I'll get a chance to take advantage of, but that was another thing that I looked at. So call it the people, electives, as well as international opportunities. And then of course, just being in person, appreciate that a lot, even though we're on Zoom right now, but in-person portion was also important to me. So I did do the international trips and they're awesome. Yeah. Just <laughs> I don't mean it to rub, always. I don't mean to rub it in, but <laughs> <laughs> for our listeners, they're awesome. Yeah. I well, went to Brazil. Well, for the prospective students, we'll cross our fingers that those will be things that they will eventually get to experience in their time at Haas or for any other program for that matter. Sean, you talked a little bit about it when you were mentioning a little bit about starting the podcast and and also how that actually helped you find two folks who helped you get into investment banking. But talk to me a little bit more about starting a podcast. And I heard this idea about connecting people through stories, but can you dig a little deeper in terms of what really prompted you to to start this podcast and, and where did you come up with the idea behind it? And part of the reason why I ask and why I'm curious is just because there's a multitude of lots of different things you can spend your time on in, in, in business school. And so I would just, of all the things you could choose and all the great things you could choose, also would love to know why this and amongst all the many other amazing things. Absolutely. And hopefully by the end of my speech, I've convinced every listener to start a podcast. Yes. MBA. <laughs> Everyone. And to let me know because we can help them basically yes. produce and publish and distribute it. <laughs> Just like how I converted Paulina. This is like a cult. Yeah. Just without the Kool-Aid. We can cut that part out. No, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but going back to 2018, actually end of 2017 when I started the program, it all started because one of my best friends, he's actually my one of my business partners prior he went to Anderson. He actually helped Anderson start their podcast back in 2015. It was called Drive Time. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Al, but they, I think they is produced internally with one of their deans, I believe. And so it's been a little sporadic because I'm sure they're busy. It wasn't a student run service. But when I was applying to schools, I was looking for a podcast to listen to just like this. And unfortunately, you weren't around. <laughs> and neither was one Haas. And for the schools that did have it, I thought it was so amazing how much insight it provided on what not just the schools like, but what the students and the culture is like there, right? Who are, who are these people? And I think the podcast element is amazing because when you remove that video layer, people really open up. And because I know you can't see me in this recording, I have to be more illustrative in the words that I use. And so now we're triggering your uh, imagination to think about the words that I'm, you know, the places or things we're describing. And I just find that very intimate. And there's been studies on this, actually, that podcast experiences are more intimate versus watching a YouTube video. And the other thing was that it's just so easy to consume. I, I can drive and listen to a podcast. I can't drive and watch YouTube. At least you shouldn't. Uh, no, I'm waiting for my uh, <laughs> Tesla self-driving car. So the other thing was once I got on campus, Al, I 
was just meeting all these amazing people across the programs and cohorts. And as a, I guess I like to call myself a natural network. I just love networking. I just found it horribly inefficient as an entrepreneur to be doing these one-on-one intros, right? I meet this amazing person named Paulina, if she was amazing, and intro her to this other amazing person named Al. And I was doing these one-on-one intros based on their stories. And I thought, dude, this is terrible. Why don't I just record your story and put it out there and just have however many students listen to it and have them reach out to you naturally? And that's how that idea spawned. There was a hidden ulterior motive, as always, in that, you know, this is the win-win situation where I realize, again, being a fan of famous interviewers before, like I'm a huge NPR fan with Ira Glass of This American Life, Terry Gross of Fresh Air, or even just going way back to the earliest books I read with Dale Carnegie, right? Dale Carnegie wrote How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, How to Make Friends and Influence People. How did he do that? He went out there and interviewed the most influential people of his time to write these books. And I just thought this is a great opportunity to build a platform, not just for myself, but for Paulina and potentially other students for us to go out there and network with people, just have a platform and excuse to go talk to people in a very uh, genuine way. You have to be genuine about it. You can't just be (laughs) selfish about it either. But those were the two primary reasons was to help students connect and then also to provide a platform to really network and meet people. No, I think that's great. And it's selfishly, I also love it just because it's it's also part of the reason why I started my blog, MBA Schooled, to begin with, many for the exact same reasons and, and also the podcast for that matter. But I also, I think that there's similar to how you were talking about research about podcasts. I think there's a lot of research out there that shows that pretty much our brains are wired to pay attention to stories and stories really resonate with us. And so yeah. I, what I think about in any given year, the fact that there's hundreds of students who come through the walls of an MBA program. And what I love about it is it's a chance to ensure that those stories make it outside of the walls of that MBA program, mm-hmm. right? Into a much right. broader setting or reverberate more within the walls of that program because in some cases if you don't reach out enough those stories could go unheard and it shouldn't have to be like that it doesn't have to be like that and prior to podcasts all we had were just written blogs right out of these schools of these interviews and sometimes because especially if it's published by the school there is some hesitation and doubt about the transparency of of the content whereas you know our interviews are these are the people this is who they are this is exactly how it is yeah paulina you want to add to that yeah i think the great part about it and again i'm thinking here for here at haas which is on campus is that people get the opportunity to share their story and also how they got to where they are. And I think a lot of people in business school are trying to figure out what do I do want to do next? And so being able to hear other people's thought process, other people's journeys, I think is really helpful so that we can figure out, ah, that resonates or that doesn't. And then in a sense, alter our own paths in order to figure that out. 
or to Sean's point, reach out to that person and make a new connection. And I think that's the fun part too, is hearing these stories of people who have connected with one another because they heard an episode and wanted to discuss further. Or we've had people who have gotten jobs because a potential employer listened to their episode and their story really resonated and they thought, I need that person on my team. It's been a really fun part of being a part of the team. I think the other thing we did new this year was interviewing faculty and administrators because as students and even the community, you really only see one side of a professor, right? What in the classroom. And it's so great to hear everything that these professors are doing outside the classroom, everything they did to just get to the classroom to begin with. And it's just so interesting and it adds this whole nother layer of complexity to everything that we do and we're interacting with them on campus. I just want to add the other thing with students is at least that I've continually noticed is just their openness and honesty about their insecurities and just how nobody has their shit together. Mm-hmm. which is why we're doing the NBA. Yep. Right? I mean, I just graduated. I still don't have my shit together. But it's, I graduated it's, a while ago. I still don't. But it's that rawness and honesty that is yeah. liberating in ways for other students to hear, all right, I'm not the only one here struggling. Everyone's trying to find their way. And that, again, sometimes, especially with these elite schools, you come here and you're just like, wow, that person's so amazing. Paulina's so amazing. That other person, Al's so amazing. And you get intimidated until you realize, you know, we actually have a lot more commonalities and differences. And that's that to me is what's exciting. And that's what, at least at Haas, I, I do feel because we have a much smaller program relative to other schools, it ultimately gets to that point where it's safe space. You feel comfortable and you really push yourself to grow with the support of others. so much of what you said there and I've said this probably like 20 times on the podcast already and people who actually listen it's probably going to hate me for it but I'm incredibly biased towards smaller MBA programs for the reason that you just mentioned and nothing against larger ones because they're obviously great but to get to that level of honesty and intimacy and transparency I think happens a lot of times when you are in a much smaller environment And I also think that has a lot of great elements of a culture really come from the fact that you are in such a tight knit community. And so I very much, uh, I think that really resonates with me. And and I think in many ways, I hope that what it does too, and like the funny thing about business school is that everyone, the big reveal is that everyone else thinks that they're a fraud too. And what I hope that it does is that it, it brings that more to light. And it's not just this big secret anymore. It's just like, all right, let's just normalize this, right? That's how we all feel. That's okay. And we'll work through it and we'll learn from it. And that's yeah. and that way people don't have to feel that insecurity or um, discomfort or uh, a little discomfort's okay, but just like that insecurity, it doesn't need to be like that. So Paulina, how how did Sean rope you into to this <laughs> or how did you get involved? What is your kind of origin story with getting involved with the podcast? She was at the wrong place at the wrong yeah, time know, one day and that was it. <laughs> The funny thing is that I love podcasts. Anyone Mm -hmm. who knows me knows that I consume a lot of podcasts and I kick myself because when I was doing my 
B-School research, I didn't even think to look if there yeah. was a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I honestly, because Sean's marketing skills are lacking, didn't even know there was a podcast <laughs> until I got on campus and then heard rumors of some guy runs a podcast and he's looking for help. And I remember hearing about it my first semester and thinking, okay, noted, we have a podcast. It's run by one person. Let me think about how I can help out after I get my feet underneath me in spring. And so a fellow classmate of mine in another cohort was kind of helping Sean recruit. And I said, okay, let's do this. So I went and sat in on our in an interview. This was March of this year. And it was actually the last in-person interview that we had on the podcast because of COVID. But sat in an interview and was like, wow, this is so interesting. This kind of plays to everything that I love, podcasting, plays to the creative side. I wrote for the newspaper my senior year in college, and I'm just looking for you know creative outlets where I can get my hands dirty. And so after watching the interview, I said, yep, I'm totally down to join the team. And we started talking about how we want to kick Sean out and transition him off the podcast. Mm -hmm. And Sean asked me if I'd be willing to interview him. So that's how I got roped in. I had a little bit of extra time on my hands since we were in pretty strict-ish lockdown that first three months of COVID. So that's what I spent my whole spring semester is really just digging into the podcast, learning how do you produce a podcast, but also how do I improve interviewing skills? How do I help create stories and help guests feel at ease so that they can tell their story from an authentic point? And been working with Sean ever since. So thankfully we get along well. And even though we have the same last name in Chinese, spelled slightly different in English, but it's been a really fun journey to be a part of for sure. And we went from a team of call it three or four, and we now have almost a team of 10 that wow. we have recruited for the here at Haas side. So still working on interviews and then also trying to expand to some more editorial content and share different types of stories within the community. I'm looking at my calendar, March 8th. That was a fateful day. And it was International Women's Day. Ah, oh, beautiful. We interviewed <laughs> Adolfo Caseda. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that was the last I time was like, we, that was the first and last time we saw each other in person. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, we, we see each other surfing whenever we come down here. That's Occasionally right. down in SoCal. But yeah, I was like, these boys need help. They need a female voice and a mm -hmm. female influence. <laughs> the funny yeah. thing was I immediately asked her to join on and i do remember she hesitated a little bit but i think it was just <laughs> false modesty <laughs> <laughs> i think i was like i don't know any of these people i don't want to spend mm -hmm. all my time with them no <laughs> yeah so on that point i'm curious again i asked sean this earlier you could do all the things in business school you could do a lot of things in business school but you've chosen to put some time and energy towards this and it seems like it's been a great endeavor for you what have you learned from it or, or what's been rewarding about being invested into something like this? Because you have a pretty busy day job and you have classes and you have other things that you do uh, and you got a, a great dog you got to take care of. But what, what's, what about this really stuck out to you or has been meaningful 
and being a part of it? I think the first thing is just I'm a naturally curious person and I love learning. And part of that, I love podcasts. So the initial interest was really just I want to understand because I love podcasts. I don't really have an intent today to start my own podcast, but I was just curious to how it all comes together and the opportunity to learn that in basically a risk-free zone was really intriguing to me. And then I think as I dug in, I just get enthralled by the learning process, learning how to use all the different tools that we edit and produce the podcast with, and then continuing to push myself on my interviewing skills and just how I speak and the cadence and the words I use has been a really interesting process for me. And once I got those base skills handled in a way, the next part was basically building out a team. So the interesting thing for me in my current role is the way that we've restructured our team is that I don't manage a team. Granted, our team is more peers versus a vertical hierarchy, but since we're obviously doing a lot of onboarding, we're putting new processes in place, we're basically building a new product company from scratch. And so you have this almost like entrepreneur aspect that we are using in this environment, which has just been really fun for me. And it's just been a way to explore different areas that I want to learn from a product management, project management standpoint, from marketing, from meeting people from different programs. And then again, back to Sean's original point, why he started the podcast is the opportunity to just meet more people. So especially Mm -hmm. in a virtual world where you're not naturally bumping into someone on campus or outside the classroom or at club meetings, et cetera. It's been a really fun way to just stay connected to the community and meet people from the different programs. We have three programs on campus, our EMBAs, our executives, and then our full-timers and then part-time. And so it's been a great way to just expand my reach, get outside of my comfort zone and meet new people and really understand how others are thinking about what they want to do next. And so it's just been a ton of fun and I've learned so much that I feel like I've been able to apply across the board. I I think that's great. And surprisingly gives Sean the endorsement for putting this all together. So kudos to you, Sean, but (laughs) I don't know if that was intentional. That's all Paulina and and the team. That's all our Hero Haas team. Yeah. And I'm just a catalyst. I think it's funny that you say that Paulina, because I was literally talking to a group of MBA student leaders today. And one of my pieces of advice to them was simply do cool shit with good people. And my message though, was just simply that one of the unique things about business school is that, is that you have a chance to get to, or I mean, business school is one big group project, right? If you get a chance to do something with really fun, with really cool people, and you get a chance to work on something that is innately interesting to you, whether it's because you're curious about it, whether it's because you like it, the learnings that come with it, as well as the experience are going to be meaningful. And they're going to bring you a set of skills, of opportunities, of projects that all of that informs your own kind of learning and your the own, the own the way that you grow and develop. And part of the reason why I, I like that and what you said and, and why I like that you've chosen to go this route is that a lot of times when you sign up for a club activity, which are great, by the way, but like when you sign up, you know what you're getting, but with these types of things, you don't always know what's going to happen, but that's also when great, <laughs> uh, that's also when, gr- when great things come of it, 
and learnings come from it. I'll say to follow up on that, I uh, recently did a alumni interview with Robert Chatwani, the CMO of Alassian, and he said, the most interesting ideas are discovered, not planned. And I think that rings very true with what you just said as well. Yeah. And I was just going to add, I think one thing that I've had fun working on Sean with is I come a, from a very corporate background, right? So yeah. my dad worked for Kodak. My mom mm -hmm. worked for Xerox. My sister works for Jay and I work for P&G. So <laughs> like very standard corporate family. And what I appreciate about Sean's background and Sean and I have discovered a lot of similarities in the way we think and the way we work, but he went the complete opposite, right? route. He's a serial entrepreneur. And that was just so interesting to me. So Sean's also just like an observational case study for me, as I understand like how he works, how he thinks, the things he does that I'm like, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> but no, it's been a really good kind of working partnership, really good friendship that's just been fun to, to lean into. Yeah. I, I think, no, I, I, I think that makes a ton of sense and I can relate. I mean, what I always tell people is that during component like you, like I've pretty much only worked for big companies. And so during the day I go from working to, you know, 60,000 people at a company to, you know, what I do at night where I'm in a company of one. And it is such a, it's such a different um, mindset and a different set of muscles to flex and a, and a different just way of working and running this podcast, running MBA school has just had to open my own mind and my own way of operating in ways that I, I never really do, or I don't do in the same way for what I do every day. So if anything, it's being exposed, it just makes the case a lot to being able to expose yourself to diversity, uh, diversity of experiences and, and people for that matter, because uh, they do add a lot of richness to your own experiences, your own skills. So You've done lots of interviews. You've really gotten to know some of your classmates, your professors, other alum within the Haas community. I would love to know from either of you, what are some of the interesting lessons that you've learned or what are some of the interesting like things you've come across that either changed your mind or just made you think differently? Sean, the one you just gave from the Atlassian CMO is a great one as an example, but I would love to know from, from other ones, what are some that come to mind? Before we answer, I just want to say, I can tell you're a great interviewer because you did not ask us the question, who was your favorite interview? Because <laughs> no, that's a terrible that's question. That's favorite question. That's, no. I just, when I get that, I'm just like, please, can we just not ask that question? Because no, you can't. Yeah, there's no favorites. Like picking your favorite child. I was, um, I was literally going to say, like, to me, is like yeah, asking that, asking that question. Yeah. And even though there's probably an answer, like you still don't ask it. Yeah, and I know it's I not made, me. I made it's Sean not me. ask it. Yeah, it's it's not me and my family. I know that. So but. Now, that's a really tough question because because we're still doing the podcast. Sure. I feel like I'm learning. I just did two interviews today. One with a as a, a co-hosted an interview on a mini series with um, Dr. Brandy Pierce. On high impact teaming, we interviewed an alumni together who has a startup in New York. And then right before this interview, I had an interview with Dr. Henry Chesborough. He is a he coined the term open innovation. And I'm taking notes. I am just taking notes with every single one of these interviews because like everybody is an expert in something. And that's I think that's the one thing I come to appreciate more and more is that on the surface. We all seem, we all got an MBA, right? We all went through the same experience. 
but underneath it all, just that lived experience is so different. And it's, and I share this because when I started the podcast, I thought I would run out of hosts and stories at a certain point. Like I thought we'd be hearing the same story, the same trite advice, but I've done a collective, we've done over a hundred interviews and still everything is, is new to me. And, and I think that's my takeaway is that just like Pauline is always being curious, is that always be open to be surprised and delighted in the people that you can meet, that you will meet in this world. to the caliber of people that we get to interview as well and just that everyone has a story to tell and everyone has a different perspective the core values i would say are similar across the board but the way people phrase them and the way that they put their own twist on them has just been so interesting for me so i'm trying to think if there's anything like drastic where it has completely changed or shaped the way i think we interviewed marco lindsay during the summer and we co-hosted the interview and just wanted to really get his thoughts about everything that was going on this summer around Black Lives Movement and all the protests we were seeing across the nation and then of course in the Bay Area. And I, I really appreciated that interview, one, because it's obviously a subject that is coming from a place of privilege as not a non-Black American at the moment, even as an Asian American. It was just a very humbling experience, and I feel like it pushed me out of my comfort zone and caused me to think through, like, am I doing enough, either on a micro level or on a macro level? And so he talked a lot about anti-Blackness and the things we can do in our everyday to combat it and combat the overall systematic racism. So that's one that stands out in my mind because it was atypical to, you know, our standard, tell me your story and how you got to Haas. That sounds like a great one. Sean, did you, anything you wanted to no, add? No, it's yeah. actually, thank you for reminding me of that as well. It's just the continual challenge, aside from the surprise, the continual challenge of being a very intent listener. I just sent this video, this TED Talk on 10 Ways to Have Better Conversations with uh, Celeste Headley. She's an NPR host. And I heard her talk actually over the weekend uh, about this TED Talk. And it's just learning how to interview is such an important skill in having conversations, period. And the idea of having conversations is to listen uh, more than you talk, something I'm not doing right now. But it, it's, I, I don't know, these, I'd really encourage your listeners to start a podcast. That's my message. <laughs> Sean's doing God's work out here, just plugging the podcast <laughs> on behalf of the podcast, on behalf of the podcast association somewhere. You Sean. know what? We're starting the Podcast Association okay, of America. Great. Right now, podcast no, you're, Sean, you're actually America. in luck. My father, as Paulina knows, he actually, he consults for the association industry. So Ooh. we actually can do this. So we can absolutely do this. We can talk about Christmas this project. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so let, I, I want to just add from the episodes that I've listened to, what, what stands out to me is that the... You're, you'll have to forgive me, but the if you want to call them the four pillars or the four core values that Haas has. Yes, the defining leadership principles. Defi yes, the defining leadership principles. We'll repeat them right now, just to yeah. test me as an alumni. Yeah. 
student always, confidence without attitude, question the status quo, and beyond yourself. Yes, those. Beautiful. Well done. To me, what stands out is that those really shine through in the interviews that you do. I can, when I, in the episodes that I've listened to, I can see those principles come to life in the stories that I hear. That is what, that from what I've listened to so far, that is what I think is unique and interesting. And I think that it speaks certainly to the caliber of, of quality of the people that you're interviewing. It also speaks to admissions and their ability to admit the right students. Yeah. But I think also it fundamentally speaks to when you set up defining things like defining leadership principles or culture, mm-hmm. when you do it right, what happened, what the, the end result of that. Yeah. What it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. That is very unique to, to Berkeley. And that's something that I know many students and alumni that I interviewed, they picked Haas because of such clarity in values and goals. Yeah. And I think to your point, Al, and what we see on campus too, is I would say since I looked at a bunch of different schools, every school has something like that, some yeah, of sort course. of core principles, core values that you have to you know, pick one and write about in your essay. But what I do appreciate about Haas is that it does come to life, right? It comes to life in the classroom. It comes to life in the way that students move through the program and the way that they look at different initiatives and how they get involved in the things they start to do to expand their horizons. And so I do feel like it is very authentically Haas. And it's funny because you get in and you're like, man, they really love these DLPs, these (laughs) defining leadership principles. And then you find yourself just constantly thinking about them and trying to live them every day. And it really does have a profound impact. That's, yeah, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. At Carolina, we talk about this idea called the Carolina way. And we have core values as well, which we also espouse to, but it comes to life in a very similar way and is something I know that a lot of people really take to heart and really ascribe to. So on that, and maybe while we get towards wrapping up here, maybe the last question that I'll ask both of you is that based off of what you've learned so far, whether it's your own from building the Haas Podcast Network or from the interviews that you've done, What's maybe something that you hope to take with you and incorporate just into how you go out and interact each and every day? I think for me so far in my experience, one, in working on the podcast while also being in school and work and involved in a few other things on campus is it's really allowed me to understand like the capacity that I have as a human and the things you can get done in a day. And I have some friends that make fun of how much I do, but it's because it's also interesting to me and I have a lot of passion for it. So it gives me energy as much as it may take up energy. So as I think about my next second half of my MBA and how I want to intentionally steer course, I just want to continue learning. So as I think about DLPs, student always is one that Sean and I talk a lot about because we're big learners. Staying curious is something that always drives me forward, the whole learning process. And so for me, I'm just continuing to learn, right? What interests me, what's out there that I don't know yet. And as I think about my skill set, I'm reading this book called Range right now, which just talks about how generalists rule the world. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to build up a broad base of skills so that when I do find the thing that really, you know, lights that fire, that I'll have the skill set in order to make an impact, in order to make an impact in an organization, and then on a broader scale, just be on a product or be with a company that positively influences the community and the world that we live in. give a more tangible answer uh, in that (laughs) and uh, what I mean by that is you know I since graduation I've decided to abandon banking and go back into entrepreneurship and effectively start three projects and two businesses out of podcasting which was completely unintentional the last thing I went into the MBA for was to come out with a podcasting business (laughs) but here we are And one of them is alumni.fm, where we are looking to replicate what I've done here at Haas for other schools so that other schools and other alumni networks can also use our turnkey system to launch an alumni podcast for their community. And then the other project is a podcasting tech angle that I also dragged Paulina in into working with me on (laughs) called Voice with a Y, V-O-Y-C-E where we are building a platform, potentially an app or a SaaS platform that solves a lot of the pain points currently in the podcasting world today, such as discovery, such as monetization for creators and even leveling the playing field for creators, things like that. So that's, you know, I'm still continuing on this journey to bring more stories to the world. (laughs) So that's my journey. That's great. I can't wait to hear all the more stories to come. Sean and Paulina, thank you so much for for jumping on uh, the podcast today. If listeners want to hear more of you, where should they go? Where can they find you? They can reach out directly to us at our Twitter feed, which is Haas Podcast with an S. They can come to our website, haaspodcast.org and contact us that way as well. They can also reach us on Instagram under Haas Podcast, and we're soon to launch a Discord channel. So if they want to connect with us, that's also another avenue. Yeah. No, we're available wherever you listen to your podcast. So if you're looking for stories on campus, so current students, faculty, and administration, you want to search here at Haas. And if you're looking to hear more alumni stories, then you'll search one Haas. Um, But both have great stories, both have different flavors and lots of life and MBA insights for sure. Great. Sean, Paulina, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Al. Thanks for having us. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.